But that's the fun part of writing. Think of your own experience. If you had your audience, your readers in front of you, what story would you tell them about yourself that showed you've overcome various obstacles in your life and that the person you were 10, 12, 15 years ago isn't who you are today? That's what your readers want to know about you. So put some of that in your story, in your book. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm an award-winning, multi-published author. And you know, I started this podcast years ago because I was a writing teacher, and I lectured my students about storytelling, you know, creative writing, all the various kinds of writing, and then modeled before my students how to draft a story or an essay. But when I left the classroom in 2016, I still had all these lessons and ideas and writing tips that I wanted to share. So that's why I started a Writer's Day podcast to share with you, those who are writers or those who want to be writers, how to write. And I wanted to provide a way to discuss what writing is. And of course, I wanted to interview published authors who could share with my listeners about their journey to becoming an author. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. And there are so many writing tools out there for all the different kinds of writers and genres. I am a visual learner, so I love Trello. Trello is a free downloadable app to your desktop that you can use to start to plan out your story. It's for visual people like me because you create lists and cards and you can add images and all these notes about your characters, your plot, everything. And for my last book, Dragon Writers, that released this year, I used my Trello board to draft my characters, to write down character names, places, and even a sample of maps. And so it helped tremendously when I was creating and illustrating the map I needed for my book. I already had all the names of the places mentioned in the story. So Trello's great. It navigates left to right, and it's so easy to use. You can plot out your entire book on Trello. It is a wonderful organization tool for all the projects, books, you know, home redecorating, vacations that you're planning. I love it because you can share your boards with others. So if you're in a critique group, you can share your board about your book with all your critique members and they can leave comments and suggestions. Trello is just all the way around a wonderful organization tool that writers like us need today. So check out Trello when you get a chance. It is a free downloadable app to your desktop. Well, did you know that storytelling in business is taking off? That corporations like Apple and Google and Bank of America and Wells Fargo and all these other corporations have storytellers on their paid staff? I was so amazed when I found this out. In fact, this is what Warren Buffett said about storytelling. If an entrepreneur can't tell a convincing story, I'm not investing. It's once called a soft skill. He now calls it 
a fundamental skill. Whenever he's asked about the most valuable skill that anyone can build today, he always says public speaking. Storytelling is definitely a skill that we all need to have. And I love telling stories. But writing a story, well, that can be a little bit more difficult. <laughs> it can be work at times. But being able to tell a story is essential. And what is writing really? It's expressing ourselves. It's learning to take a story that we've told or heard and put it down into words in such a way that it effectively communicates what we want it to say. There are various kinds of ways of storytelling. So if you want to spark an action, then you're going to need a story that successfully explains how a change will help the corporation or help a person grow personally or help a person grow professionally. So you want to spark someone into action? Well, you're going to have to effectively explain why it's important. A story that sparks action might begin with just imagine or what if. Now, if you're telling a story that communicates who you are, you know, you might want to provide a little bit of audience engaging drama, something that kind of reveals what you've overcome in your past, some sort of vulnerability that you've overcome. So then you're going to want to include some meaningful details. So you want to make sure you're engaging your audience. So there are all kinds of writing. There are all kinds of storytelling. What you need to do before you even start writing your book is to decide who is your audience and write to them for them. And if you happen to be a member of your own audience, then write the book that you yourself would read. Knowing who your audience is is extremely important and helpful. Your story, your book, needs to be read. So make sure you're writing, because stories motivate others. There are a lot of different people reading your book from all walks of life, from all different worldviews. So think about how your story can motivate them, can influence them, can inspire them, and maybe give them some hope, maybe encourage their faith to grow. So Yari Bovolino, who is the chief storyteller at Avio Aero, a GE aviation business, he was hired to be the chief storyteller of that corporation, said, as a storyteller, we must find a purpose, a subject, a plot, and an audience, or even invent your audience, and then compose the story. And I wholeheartedly agree. But writing a story begins with the beginning. And I always begin with my characters. Who are they? What do they need? Who are they before the inciting incident? And who are they going to be after the inciting incident? Think of your most favorite book, movie, play. Who are the characters before the story even started? And when they come onto stage or when you read the first chapter, 
And what is it that they're going through? And then when that inciting incident happens, how is it changing them? So by the end of the story, movie, or play, they are completely different. Because it's Christmas time, I'm going to use Home Alone. That is one of my most favorite Christmas movies. So think of Kevin McAllister. Who is he when we first meet him? Well, he's kind of that pesky younger sibling in a very large family, and he's always picked on. And so he's kind of a, a little bit of a obnoxious. He uses his dad's uh, stuff in the garage that he's not supposed to use, but he kind of gets away with it. He's kind of snarky and he talks back to his mom. So he's a character that we all know. We probably have that character in our families. And there are a few things that he says that are cringeworthy because we know we've probably said them too when we were a kid. So when we meet him, we like him, but there's a few things about him that we don't like because he reminds us of someone, maybe a younger sibling or maybe ourselves when we were younger. And his family is crazy. It's a hectic day. They're all, it's the night before they all fly out to Paris, France for Christmas. So there's a whole bunch of them running around the house. And then we find out, and I'm not, I hope I'm not spoiling it, there's probably one person out of the 7 billion on the planet who hasn't seen it. But if you don't want to know the ending or what happens, fast forward. But he gets left behind, and that's the inciting incident. That's the incident that changes his life and his family's life, especially his mother's life forever. So he's left alone. And everything that happens to him from that moment on begins to change him. Now, yes, he has some successes. He's able to figure out how to get some money and go to the store and buy some things that he needs. And he also has some moments where he is learning a few things about himself, that he can be brave. When he's challenged, he follows through. And another thing we learn about him is that he starts to miss his family. And perhaps that's the biggest change in Kevin of all. When we first meet him, he hates his family and is actually pretty glad that they're gone and he thinks he wished them away. But then things happen and he starts to feel lonely in this great big house. He starts to feel afraid when these bad guys are trying to rob the house. And he misses his family. He misses what he had. And he starts to become grateful for them. And in the process, he begins to learn more about Christmas, that it isn't just about presents under the tree, but it is about traditions and family and being together. And he misses that. There's a poignant scene that always brings me to tears, and it's when he's in the church. And he begins to learn about the villain of the story who turns out not to be the villain after all the little old man who lives next door kevin has been told by his older brother that this little old man next door is a killer who got away with multiple murders and so you can imagine how this little boy is afraid of this man but in the church he sees the old man and he realizes how wrong he's been about this supposed villain and the two actually help each other. 
the old man reveals that he has been separated from his family. And Kevin reveals how he messed up and wished his family away and wants them back. So it's an example of excellent writing and showing the changes between these two characters and the irony involved that a little old man can still learn a lesson from a young boy and that a young boy can learn a lesson from someone he once feared. Both leave the church having learned more about themselves and about the true meaning of Christmas. As Kevin returns home, he pauses in front of a house filled with people, family, and he pauses to watch through the window the family celebrating Christmas Eve together. They're coming into the house with packages, but they're also gathered around the tree, decorating it together with smiles and laughter. And the director does a great job of showing us all the different age groups and how Christmas is special across the ages. As Kevin stands there and watches, I remember tearing up at that scene because that is something I've always wanted was a big family experience where everyone is enjoying the Christmas time together. I haven't had that in many years and I miss it. And you can see on Kevin's face that he misses it too. And that truly, that's all he wants for Christmas anymore. But when he gets home, he realizes he still has a job to do, and that is defend his house against the bad guys, the burglars who want to come in and rob it. And that's when comedy ensues and adventure, and it is so funny, all the slapstick that happens. I remember being in the theater in 1990, watching this and listening to all the laughter around me, the little children and the adults laughing at the antics of Kevin and the bad guys. But at the end is where we see the change in our main character, Kevin McAllister. He wakes up on Christmas morning, hoping that his family is there, hoping that his Christmas wish has been answered, but it hasn't. And he is still alone, even on Christmas morning. But alas, his mom arrives, they have their reunion, all is forgiven, and then his entire family arrives, and he did get his Christmas wish after all. But most importantly, he got his main wish, which was proving to his family that he's not who they think they are, that he's so much more. And when his mom announces that there's no milk, there's nothing, that someone needs to go to the store because there's nothing in the house, it is Kevin who announces how he went to the store and got milk and eggs and fabric softener and the family is dumbfounded as they learn that this little boy has changed in just the short, what, 48 hours that they've been gone. And the director does a great job of showing the audience how this boy has changed. There's the irony. That's the power of writing. But for me, it was the end where the little old man who lives next door went through change as well. And we see his long lost son and his family reuniting with the little old man and Kevin sees them through the window and the two make eye contact as the little old man is embracing his granddaughter and they wave to each other as they both realize the true meaning of Christmas. 
even imagining that scene right now chokes me up a little bit because it's a beautiful way of the writers and the director to show the audience that this man has changed. We never see him pick up the phone and make the phone call, but just by showing us the reunion between him and his son, that all is forgiven and that going forward, the old man won't be alone at Christmas time anymore. And isn't that the true meaning of Christmas? Coming together, celebrating the birth of Jesus as a family, embracing those traditions. That's the power of storytelling. And that's why I love that movie so much and truly enjoy watching it with my little family. So, on this Christmas break, maybe take some time to sit down and work through your story. The one that you've been working on. The one that you just haven't been able to write the end to. Think about your characters and the change you're going to take them on. The journey you're going to put them on. The obstacles that they're going to have to overcome, like Kevin McAllister did, some of the successes they're going to have, and how their final goal, their final dream, is what's going to keep them going to the end. That's what helped Kevin McAllister keep going, his hope, his Christmas wish, that his family would come back. And that's what made him overcome all the obstacles he faced. That's what your character has to do. So who they were at the beginning of your story is not the person they're going to be at the end. Some change has to occur. And that's the challenge, but that's the fun part of writing. Think of your own experience. If you had your audience, your readers in front of you, what story would you tell them about yourself that showed you've overcome various obstacles in your life and that the person you were 10, 12, 15 years ago isn't who you are today. That's what your readers want to know about you. So put some of that in your story, in your book. There's a reader out there who needs that encouragement and inspiration to keep going when times get hard. And you have that power to do that just through your character and what he or she overcomes. Thank you for joining me today on this brief talk about writing and the power of storytelling. I mean, after all, we were created in the image of God. And how did he share with us who he is? That's right. In words, in stories, in the Bible. The Bible is a book filled with various kinds of writing. And in them are some narratives like the book of Ruth, the book of Esther, Daniel, and more. Where we learn powerful things about these characters who overcame, but we also learn more about the author, God. Keep that in mind as you draft your story. Again, thanks for joining me. And if you like what you've heard on this podcast, please consider subscribing and following me and drop me a line. Visit my website at artbyruth.com. Join my newsletter, send me a comment, and definitely tell others, please, about my podcast. I hope you've been encouraged to keep going on your writing journey, always going forward one step at a time. And until next time, God bless.